Hi, and welcome to the Lighthouse Church Podcast, where we're diving deeper into God's Word and doing our best to help encourage you in your walk with God. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today, let's continue in our series of Great Gift Exchange. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to get inspired, hopefully, and uh, uh, come away with this, realizing what how fortunate we are today. To, to exchange some things with God. You know, over the years, I've had some good deals and I've had some bad deals when I exchange things with people. Uh, if you've ever traded a car in on another one, I can assure you, you've got a bad deal. Uh, anybody that ever says, boy, I stuck it to that dealer is lying to themselves uh, beyond their comprehension because nobody ever does that. I, I remember the first time I bought a new vehicle was way back when, way back in, I think it was 1991, 92, in that range, uh, that was like, you know, that doesn't sound that long ago to me, but that was a really long time ago. And I bought a, a, a brand new uh, 1991 Mazda pickup truck, uh, two-wheel drive. I could advise you something. If you're going to buy a truck, get a four-wheel drive, okay? Two-wheel drives are rear-wheel drive, and it does not go good in the snow. And I lived in a place where it snowed. It was crazy. But when I traded in my 1984 Chevrolet Cavalier four-speed 96 horsepower white hot rod of a mobile. They said that they'd give me a certain amount, but after I figured it out, they had jacked up the price on the truck and then told me they gave me that amount, and they really didn't, and I have always felt betrayed. Uh, but how many of y'all ever been betrayed? Anybody ever got a bad deal? Yeah, all of us, you live long enough, you get a bad deal. So today, though, we're going to get a good deal. A good deal. Is that okay? I'm going to trade in some credit gifts to get some really good gifts. And uh, I think I can do that. All right, so today, let's jump in. We're gonna, I got eight different exchanges that we're going to make today. The first one uh, being this one. I've just got some note cards here so I can remember my points. Is that our lack, we're going to trade in our lack today for his bounty. I'm going to trade in my lack for his bounty. All right, now, when I mention lack, now, usually if somebody says they're lacking, usually the first place I go to is material things, money, food, clothing, shelter, car, whatever it is, you know, things that are kind of important for us to have in this day and age. And so how many of you are like me? A lot of times the first thing I think of is somebody says they're lacking is money. Generally, that's the place that most people tell you about the most is that they're lacking. You know, nobody ever comes here to this church throughout the week, knocks on the door and says, I'm lacking emotionally, and I need you to help me emotionally. Nobody ever does that. Anybody that ever contacts the church or comes by the church and says they're lacking, it's always got to do with money. So I want you to take your mind off money for a minute, if that's you, and I want you to think about something. There are things in our lives that we lack that money can't buy. Because if money could buy it, we'd go out and buy it, wouldn't we? I sometimes am not strong enough and I lack emotionally. Sometimes I do that. But then God says that, if it, that he'll give me his bounty. Listen to what Psalm 65, 11 says. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. So what I love here is to think about the fact that sometimes I'm uh, very short emotionally. Very short mentally. <laughs> I know some of y'all could probably uh, relate to me there. That I'm not smart enough. There are times when I watch the news for a little while and I realize that we are so far past the point of truth that it is beyond comprehension. 
And I look at things and I think, will there ever be a time that we can all sit down at the table together, regardless of our differences, and actually talk and actually communicate and actually work out something? But it's very difficult to see. But I know that it's doable, but I just don't know that it can. So there's places that I lack. And so I started thinking about, for instance, if somebody in here maybe has a need, like a lack of something. Like, for instance, in our first service, one of the ladies that comes, uh, operates, and, and, and has started and heads up a, a, a ministry, a nonprofit for victims of human trafficking. Now, that could be labor trafficking, but most of those are sex trafficking. And there's some other things that go on there. And one of the things, I don't know everything about it, I certainly don't, but I can certainly testify to a few things that I've learned. One is that the biggest thing you want to do is make sure when you take in a victim is you got to take care of the first absolute necessity things. they got to have clothes, they got to have food, they got to have shelter, right? Those are big. And if we lack any of those things, it's a big deal. But then that's the easy part. Feeding somebody, putting clothes on somebody, sheltering somebody is easy because what comes next is the very difficult part. And this is where we really need God to come in with his bounty because there are emotional needs, there are maturity needs, because when you're talking to somebody who's been a victim of something like that, you really kind of have to start with what age were you when you became a victim? And that's going to tell me a lot about what maturity level you are. Has anybody ever talked to somebody who's maybe a drug addict or something like that, and they're 30 or 40 years old, or maybe 50 years old, and you want to, in your mind, talk to them like a normal adult, but you can't because they're lacking maturity, they're lacking emotional maturity, and you know what I'm talking about? In the mental part. You know, there's been numerous people through the years. There was a, my grandfather's neighbor. His name was Lawrence. Lawrence smoked marijuana a lot. And he probably smoked it with what he thought was Jesus maybe at one point, with Indians at another point. I've heard all sorts of stories all in my life with Lawrence. Lawrence is as good as guys you ever meet. But then one day Lawrence met Jesus. And it changed his life. But Lawrence had a lot of lack. And Lawrence was missing a lot of brain cells. Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he was really calm about everything, though. That was for sure. But he had smoked it so long. And so I would go over there and see Lawrence, and we would talk and this, that, and the other. And, and Lawrence was just an interesting guy. I would take Lawrence fishing, but because of his drug issues, he had this issue physically where he had a stroke, and the one side of his body was shaking. And it would pretty much shook all the time unless he would go to sleep, and then it would quit. But as long as he was awake, that side was shaking. And I would take him fishing, and we would fish with hooks and, like, worms or nightcrawlers or, you know, uh, chicken livers if we were fishing for catfish. And he would not allow me to put a hook on his line. He said, I can do this. And if you've ever watched somebody that's had a stroke that shakes try to put a hook, an eagle claw hook, on a fishing line that's not even thick enough that you can see it, it's quite entertaining to watch. And so I would say, Lawrence, let me help you. No, I got this. And Lawrence would hold that, hold that hook up there in that line, and he would go, and he, and he could focus in for five seconds probably and get it to stop. But after that, it would start again. And if he didn't hit it in that five-second window, it was over And so and for a while. And he would, if he didn't hit it, he would go, doggone you, Lawrence. And he would fuss at himself. But here's a man who had a desperate need for physical issues, emotional issues, all these various things. And God, I believe, was capable of doing those things. And I watched God changed his life from the inside out and began to change his mind and to change and begin to heal him from the inside out. Y'all with me? And then he passed away one day. And I thought it was amazing because he lived in this house, actually the house that I was actually 
when I was born, actually, we lived in the house, and he lived in it, but he didn't use the whole house. He just used the basement. He lived in the basement, and he kept a coal furnace, a wood stove, all this stuff, and he had one of those big, huge rugs that you would get from the flea market for whatever. It was 18,000 colors, and it was Jesus and the Last Supper. Y'all know what I'm talking about, anybody? It was, like, really colorful. It was his favorite thing in the entire world. And so here's a guy that lacks. I don't know if you've ever been lacking, you know, it's important to know that God has a bounty for those that lack. And if, it's, if you're lacking, there's nothing wrong with telling God, I lack in this area, because God's not going to be like, what? You're kidding. I didn't know. He already knows. Well, the second thing I want us to trade in today, I want us to understand that we get a trade in, is my weakness for his strength. All right, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i love this he goes further if it's not enough just to know this uh, the writer says therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that christ's power may rest on me now how many of you are intent on today if you're on social media making a social media post boasting about your weaknesses that's not exactly the most popular thing to do is it no we're going to we're going to take a picture of our cool outfit that we wore to church, right? We're going to take a picture of our kids. We're going to take a video. We're going to do these things. And most of the time, our intent is never to share our weaknesses. But there it says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, there's nothing wrong with admitting that we are weak. As a matter of fact, I'm thankful today that I have areas that I'm weak in because it's those areas where God shows up more than any of the others to me. He shows his power through those things. And I'm so thankful for that today. As I watched a little documentary the other day, and there was a man who had hiked to the highest uh, places on every continent in this world. And he is 51 years old now. And he's done all this just over the last you know, century or so. He's done this. And I'm sitting here watching it, and they're hiking a volcano at the moment. And they're actually getting ready to go down into this active volcano. Down in it, okay? Y'all hear me? Down into the volcano. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? Y'all are idiots. I mean, absolute idiots. Most people wouldn't even go to the point of hiking up it, but you're going down in it. And so here's this guy. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this documentary, they all of a sudden, they tell you something that, that was kind of vital to the situation. He's blind. Didn't know that until about 30 minutes in. And then they said, oh, yeah, by the way, he's blind because he doesn't wear glasses. He doesn't look blind and never had showed any angles where it looked like it. And I'm thinking for a second, I'm like, hold on a second. You're telling me, and i got to know more about this. So I watched the rest of the documentary. I even looked the guy up, couldn't find out. He had a degenerative eye disease way back when, when he was a child. When he was in elementary school, he started losing. Middle school, it started getting worse. Freshman high school year, gone completely. So ever since his freshman year of high school. Now, do I believe that God can heal him? Yes, I do. I believe that God could heal him. But what was interesting to listen to this guy, he never gave God any credit for any of these things, but it was interesting to listen to his story because he said this. He said, it, I had the season of depression. I had the season of not having the ability to see when others could see. But he said, I finally had to come to a point where that season had to end, and I had to begin to learn how to work with the senses that I had left. And so I realized in that moment that my hearing all of a sudden is way better than it ever has been before. And so now he sees with his ears. He sees with his hands. It's interesting to me to see the things that God can do and how he's orchestrated and made us and created us that in our weaknesses, certain parts of our body will even get stronger to compensate for the places that are weak. 
Isn't God good? I mean, isn't that amazing? And think about all the places in your life right now that you're weak in. You don't want people to know because if people find out, they'll make fun of you. People will t- talk bad about you. But here's the thing that I figured out. People talk bad about you either way, so you might as well let them know your weaknesses because at least God will get the glory in it. You know, and that's a good thing. So I want to trade in some of these. So the next thing, let's jump on to it. I, this is my favorite, my, probably my favorite. Maybe number one, number two, I don't know. I want to trade in some sorrow for some joy. Okay? God gives us the ability to trade sorrow in for joy. And there's proof of that in Isaiah 35. There's proof of that in various places in Scripture, but this is 1, 35, 10. It says, And these the Lord had rescued will return. It says they will enter Zion with singing. Right? So let's back up here just a second because it says this. And those the Lord has, somebody help me out, rescued. So that means that you were in need. That means that whoever this is, the children of Israel in this case, or in need of rescue. Why they need a rescue? Because they're in captivity. They're, they're slaves. They're, they're not free. So here it says, and those the Lord has rescued will return. Where are they going to return to? They're going to enter Zion. They're going to enter back into their land. And how are they going to do it? They're going to do it with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their bald head. Gladness and joy will, somebody help me here, you know what it looks like to be overtaken? It means you're not strong enough to hold up against it. You're going to be overtaken by it, right? So it, it kind of like with me and, and Jonah, at his age is six years old, he comes and he gets me sometimes. He'll come every day, several times a day, and he'll run at me and just wham, hit me real hard. And I, I see, usually see it coming, and so I'm able to brace myself. And he'll say things like this. He said this yesterday. He said, whatever you do, don't flip me. I'm like, okay, I won't. Yeah, okay, you better not, because you better not flip me. You know, and I'm like, okay, I know what this means. I'm not that dumb, right? This is a beautiful age to have. And I'll take him, and and, and Amanda doesn't like to see us, because I'll take him, and I'll flip him up in the air where he's doing flips. Or I'll do all things, and I'll press him up over my head, or I'll do this stuff. And when I read this scripture that gladness and joy will overtake you, that your strength, your ability cannot compare to this amazing overcoming with this, this uh, joy that God has for us. It's kind of like being hit by a joy truck. Have y'all ever been hit by a joy truck? It's pretty cool. It's like all this craziness is going on around you, but you got hit by a joy truck. And everybody's like, aren't you going to get upset? So, no, I, I, you understand, I'm still staggering around because I got hit by a joy trip. I'm just overwhelmed with it. And it's amazing. And, and so, and it says that he will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. So, imagine if you will, if I go out those doors a slave, but I come back in because God, in my slavery, in my imprisonment, God did a work and freed me. So when I come back in, I'm not going out like I went out. I'm, I'm not coming back in like I went out. I'm coming back in a free man. And you don't just come back in to Zion as a free man going like this. So, hey, No, man, you don't do that. You know that woman at the well? I believe, it don't really show us, but I believe when she went back over there to her place, and she, it, said, it says that she left her bucket there which is the whole reason why she came. She forgot why she came for. 
She left her bucket there. And when she went back, I don't think, I think that when she came back, she came up to the well in prison, need, need of rescue. And when she came back into town, she had been freed. So when she came back in, she was different. She was completely different. And people could see that. And so I want you to understand that it is, it is a good thing today to trade in some sorrow for some joy. Because I tell you, I want to see you walk back in a free person. And, and it's a big deal. And you listen to me. Know this. It's important that we get this. I believe this with everything in me. Just because I come to know Jesus doesn't mean that I'm free. Freedom requires some work on our part and some sacrifice on our part. Understand? There, there is. I mean, I believe that with everything in me because I've lived it now. I understand it now. That a lot of people say, well, just give it to Jesus. Come to Jesus and you'll be free. And it's not that simple, is it? Anybody? I wished it was because the altars would be full. We'd be full. The churches would be full because it would be. But it's not that easy. Now, has God gone before me? Can God do the work? Can God free me? Absolutely, he can. But you know, sometimes there's a sacrifice on my part. And what I'm afraid is a lot of us are sitting in church every Sunday in chains. Not that we're not saved. Not that we don't know Jesus. But we're living our life in chains when God has allowed us to be free from whatever that is. You know, and so that, that concerns me a lot, probably as much as anything in the church today, is that very thing. And so let's trade in number four, my affliction for his healing. Okay. Just this morning on the sidewalk. Can't go into the details of it, but J.W., you just shared with me something really cool. J.W. is a veteran, been injured numerous times, left, thought you were going to die over in Afghanistan, blown up parts of your body, various things. You've, and then if he's not enough glutton of punishment, he has other things that's happened to him through the years with various things, and he has a tremendous amount. He's been going through a lot physically. And there's a spiritual battle that's been going on in his life for a long time, one that I've been praying for him. I'm sorry. I'm just sharing your business right here. Sorry. I didn't ask you to do that. I'm just doing it. So he may never show back up again. I have a feeling he will. But just lo and behold, here recently, J.W. went to a little event. And in the event, he stayed there for a long time, for several days. And God healed him of his physical issues, of which you have had numerous ones. And God also not just healed him. See what happened here? My affliction for his healing. Listen to what Scripture says. J.W., this is for you. Malachi 4.2. But for you who for my name, right, fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy, like calves led out of a pasture. Okay. I could have thought of a lot of things to write there that would have been much more elegant than a calf leaping around in a pasture. But when J.W. came up to me this morning and he's sorting out what God has done and sorting out what direction God wants him to go, which is an amazing, exciting place. I've been there and it's like watching a calf being set free in the pasture because they don't know which way to go. And they're like, what? You know, it's free. I'm free. Have y'all ever watched a calf, a cow, you know, like a cow, like a calf, run? They're not like, they're like, they're right. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. 
because it's so exciting. Yes, Jonah, you got it. You're right there. And so it's like they're not meant, they're not animals that are meant for great. They're not like deer. They're like, they're, they, cows get fat and we eat them, right? So they're not exactly, anyway, some people don't. But nonetheless, understand if you've ever seen that picture, what I love about this scripture is that we get to trade in our affliction for his healing because he is the son of righteousness. And if you will, I can see the cross and I can see the resurrection. I can see the death of Jesus on the cross. But after that resurrection, in my mind, here's what I see. If Hollywood wanted to take my advice, they would do this. That somewhere behind that cross comes up the risen Jesus. And here he is. You with me? The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. The arms of Jesus is spread out now, but it's not because nails are holding. It's because they're held up in victory. Because healing is in the absolute, the persecution that Jesus took. And so I love this scripture, and I love the story that he's, he's going to be sharing more of to me soon, but I love it because how many of y'all have ever been the calf let out in the pasture, and you don't know which way to go? Because you're so excited about what God has done. You're excited about being able to trade your affliction for some healing. And it's amazing to sort that out. And the youthfulness of it and the, 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 the passion of it is just so cool. And then the next thing is we're going to change in. We're going to trade in and exchange today is the burden. My burden for his rest. That's a big deal. I don't think I ever realized how much until I got older. And it's not because of physically tired. It's because of other things. And Jonah, if you will, come back up here. Jonah, come here. You did it in the first service. You did so good at it. I mean, it looks like we practiced it or something, other, but we really didn't. So, Jonah, my monkey, and I got this on my back, okay? Are you with me? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Make sure I don't flash anybody with my six-pap abs. That would be good, right? That would be a disaster. So, nonetheless, I got him. He's not that heavy. He's maybe 60 pounds. It's not that bad. But how many of you know 60 pounds gets real heavy after a while? Right? That's what a burden is. And Scripture says, he says in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so here I am all my life, and God gives me invitations from time to time. He says, he says Come, and I'll take your burden. I'll give you rest. You're weary. Why are you weary? Because you've been carrying the burden. And a lot of us are like, no, God, I got this. I totally got this, God. I don't need you. I mean, I've only been carrying this around for 20 years now. I don't really need your help because I got this. Because tomorrow it's going to be a new day. Because tomorrow I'm going to pick it right back up and do it again. And, you know, you stand and walk around with something like so long, right? Here you are walking through life with this monkey on your back, with this burden, right? And after a while, it starts to really wear on you because it's not that it's that heavy. It's just too heavy for you to carry that long. You understand? It's just like a five-pound bag of sugar. It's not heavy, but if you hold it out like this, I bet you after a while, you'd be sweating like crazy, right? It's not that it's heavy. It's just that you were not meant to do it that way. He is a squirmy burden. <laughs> and so here's what God does. He invites you to trade in your burden, and he'll give you rest. And here's what I picture in my mind, that we come to Jesus, and Jesus takes our burden. He doesn't get rid of it. What he does is he takes it, 
because he is the interceder for us who sits at the right hand of the Father. He takes it to the Father. He comes back to us like a good shepherd because the scripture says he's a shepherd. And then he picks us up without the burden because we need to be nourished back to health. But see, for whatever reason, a lot of us are determined to hang on to the burden because we're going to fix it. And God gives us an invitation that Jesus will take our burden to the Father who will absolutely change the burden into something else. And by the time it comes back to us, it'll be a gift. And in the meantime, the shepherd picks us up and carries us and feeds us like the good shepherd does. And when we refuse to exchange our burden for his rest, then we're refusing the healing that God has for us, the nourishment, the nurturing that God has for us. You can go back to that. So that's, that's y'all get it? You understand? That's a big deal. You know, it's not that what you're carrying around, some people might be able to carry around more. But this isn't about who can carry the most. This is about who can carry the least and give it to God. You know, I heard a pastor say this recently that somebody come to him, several people come to him, but this one lady come to him and said, I've changed churches because my pastor doesn't give me the meat. He just keeps giving me milk. And I'm sick of it. I'm ready to go deeper in God. And I'm ready to go for the meat and everything else. And I was like, okay, I'm interested to see what he says to this. And he says to her, he says, listen to me. He says, the milk is designed to bring to you. The milk is designed for somebody to pick up, nurture, and nurse them. The meat was never meant to be brought to you. The meat, the meat was meant for you to go hunt for it. Come on, y'all. How many times, you don't have to admit this, but you've said this in church before. You've said, you know, I'm tired of the milk. I want something deeper, and I'm going to go to a different church because a different church is going to solve it. But listen, a church, a pastor's job is not to give you the meat. The pastor's job is to give you the milk till you're strong enough to go after the meat. Because the minute you decide to go after the meat is the day that you have had the greatest transformation. You've turned from consumer to hunter. You've turned in from a child, which is fine, into camo baby. Boom, boom. Elmer Fudd. I'm going to catch this wascally wabbit. Right? I mean, so, you see, this is, this is good stuff. So, the next thing is I want to get through these real quick before we finish. I want to trade in some lies for God's truth. Have you ever been lied to? <laughs> Everybody? Any politicians ever come into your life? Yes? Okay. So, you've been lied to, right? So, John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, says this, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, okay, first it started with belief, right? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. So you're not until this, okay? So if you believe and then you hold to it, then it says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, I want to trade in the lies for God's truth. One of the lies that I believe that we get fed, get fed a lot of lies. But in a church, one of the lies that we get fed is that if we come to Jesus, then he'll set us free from everything. Jesus has the power to set us free. But the truth is not something that just hits you all of a sudden because you're not mature enough when you first come to know Jesus to understand the truth, the truth the way God wants you to understand it. And what I've learned through the years is that I wasn't truly set free until I began to examine the truth myself because first I had to become a disciple, and I didn't come, become a disciple right off the bat. I struggled my first several years of coming to know Jesus. 
You know why I did? I've shared it before. Because everybody in my life told me all the things that I shouldn't be doing now rather than telling me to go run to the Father and build a relationship. That wasn't being told. So I didn't understand that until I was about 19 years old, three years after I came to know Jesus. I began to understand, began to begin the understanding of relationship. And through the years, I've understood that this comes to life after you've become the disciple and you've sought the truth and you begin to seek the truth and then the truth will set you free. But here's the thing, like Jack Nicholson, right, in the movie. You can't handle the truth. And that's really the truth in the large context, that God reveals truths to us as we mature in him, and he begins to reveal deeper layers to us of truth that we couldn't have handled when we were younger in the Lord. Does that make sense to everybody? I hope it does, because I want to trade in these lies for the truth. And, and I, I think back to one of the greatest, the greatest Christmas movie ever, Elf. Hey, y'all agree? Elf is so good. First time I seen it, I said, this is going to be a classic. And here we are, every channel, every day. And I'm like, okay, I like it, but I don't like it that much. One of my favorite scenes, when Santa comes to the, to the toy store, all the kids are lined up. And Will Ferrell, playing elf, he knows what the real Santa looks like. And he says, you're not Santa. He says, shut up, boy, you know, all these things. And then he looks at him, and he says, you sit on a throne of lies. There is one among us today that sits on a throne of lies, and that's Satan. And the thing is, is he can't create. All he can do is imitate or try to repurpose something, change up something, imitate something that God has done because he can't do it himself. But God sits on a throne of truth, and that truth will never die. But if you build something on a lie, y'all know anything that's built on a lie is eventually going to crash down eventually at some point it's going to crash and so I want the opportunity today to change in some of the lies that I've been told and some of the lies that I've told myself for the truth who God says you know and so let's two more things real quick I'm going to trade in my sin for his grace Romans three twenty four says in all um all uh I didn't forget all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All of us that came through Jesus is justified freely by his grace. In other words, it's justified. I heard the old preacher say, it's justified, never done it. And I kind of like that saying. But justified means to be set apart. It's like I'm set apart from my sin. It's not who I am anymore. And the last one today is this, as I finish up, is this. I want to trade in my death for his life. He gives me that opportunity. He, all these things he's given me the opportunity for. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin, y'all know this, or death, but the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. It's found there. And so look at that. For the wages of sin. You know what a wage is? It's something you earn. How many of y'all deserve death because you earned it? But, but, it's a good thing there's a but in there. Buts are always good. But the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift, one that you couldn't earn. It's a gift that you receive. And so here we are, should be getting the wages of our sin, the wages of our sin, which are death. And God says, I want you to trade in death for life. Does that sound pretty good right now? I really want to do that. If there's anything that I try to exercise daily, 
is that I remember that I am not dead. I am full of life. And there's times that I lose sight of that, but there's times that every time that I'm doing something, I think, wait a minute, Brian, you are a child of God. You have been brought from death to life. You have exchanged death for life. And nothing in this world can stop you from having that life unless you allow it to. And I remind myself of that daily. I say, God, so help me, God, to produce everything that I do today. Let it be full of life, God. Not my life, the life that you have given me, that I'm not worthy of, that I'm so thankful for. You know, and I'm thankful today for people that he puts in our lives. Aren't you? Because there's times when we've talked about all these things that we trade things in. There's times when I get really discouraged and God has put people in my life that help encourage me. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful too. And I, I'm going to confess one here to you today. I was um, having an issue of the day, somebody that needed encouragement. But I've encouraged them a lot over the last year and I'm sick of encouraging them. Y'all ever get like that? Anybody? Is it just me? I just kind of ran out. My encouragement tank was like, and I'm like, I'm done. And then I seen Rita. Rita was encouraging the person that I was sick of encouraging. And at first I thought, she's crazy. She don't know what she, she is crazy. But she, I said, she's crazy. She has no idea what she's getting into right now because this is like a black hole of encouragement because there's never going to be an end to the amount of encouragement this person needs because they're always down. They're always got a problem. And so I was like, oh, well, Rita's on her own. Hope she can make it. Hope she gets back out of the black hole. And then as I was praying, the next day, God revealed something to me. And Rita, I want to thank you. Because you didn't know what you were doing to me. Is that God said, see, Brian, you think that I have to work through you, but I don't just use you. Because when your encouragement tank runs out, I got somebody else that's got one that's full. And I'll just use them because every single day that I've given up on somebody, there's never a day that God has given up on them. Because I'm just a human being, and there's times that I get sick of people. Anybody else? And I give up. Rita don't. Go see her. Rita loves people. She loves people. If you need encouragement, you go to Rita. She's like a wellspring full of encouragement. She ch you changed your name. <laughs> name is different now. You understand? It's okay if I'm not everything that I need to be because God is always everything that needs to be. And he will always use you or somebody else to make up for the other people. And he gives us this opportunity to exchange all these things. And in return, he gives us these beautiful gifts that we're not worthy of. Thanks again for joining us for today's podcast. You can find out more about us at lhchampton.com. See you soon.